Welcome to Is It Wet, the podcast where we're just on the train of capitalistic Christmas cheer, hurtling towards a dangerous and unknown destination. I'm Sophie. I'm Caitlin. And today we have a very special holiday episode and, and a double feature. We are doing... <laughs> I'm calling this episode Dueling Snowpiercers. It's, it's the duel of the snow, the snow trains. It's the dance yeah. of the snow trains. It's the clash. <laughs> the clash of those dueling cold icy trains. Um... We are doing both the 2004 uh, motion-captured adventure film, The Polar Express, starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> and, Tom <laughs> and Tom Hanks. Hanks. And, and Tom Hanks. And also Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I ride for free. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hop aboard this Rambler anytime I feels like it. I own this train. Like I'm the king of this train. Yeah, the king of the Polex. In fact, I am the king of the North Pole! And the 2013 science fiction action film Snowpiercer, directed by Bong Joon Ho. I am very excited. It is a snowy, cozy evening here in New England, and it is a perfect time to uh, to be talking about both of these Christmas Christmas classics, uh, <laughs> winter yeah. classics. We, I mean, we, we couldn't have picked a better day. It's like a random, I guess not random because it's December, but just unexpected, I guess, uh, bad snowstorm. Uh, just like, it just was dreary and gray. And I mean, it was like, yeah, it was like the outside it, it of Snowpiercer. It, it's it's been like the outside of Snowpiercer and the dystopian hellscape of the Polar Express. And, and I think, I think this idea to compare Snowpiercer and the Polar Express, these two train-based uh, winter movies, I think mm -hmm. it was one of the first ideas we had. <laughs> when I have wanted to make this theory work that they're the same train. <laughs> I, I've wanted to make this theory work for a while, and I was shocked that I had to do absolutely no work yes, to make it yeah. happen. Like, it's... It's all it's there. Just yeah, yeah. It's not even a theory at this point. <laughs> like it's it's just what it it's, is. It's the text of both movies. Absolutely um, yes, and we can't wait to tell you all about it. Yeah, I think I, I I think yeah, the idea of doing a holiday episode was was exciting to us, and and what yeah, and what a better way to talk about Christmas cheer than just blowing up the train of capitalism or you know riding it and having fun and participating in it gleefully so i think i watched polar express then snowpiercer is that i okay? did as well yes and i think that that is a good a good order to do it in 
Because then everything makes sense uh, timeline wise. Yes. Yeah, exactly. In my opinion. <laughs> the timelines connect. Um, it's yeah. It's kind of like the end of uh, it's like the end of Rogue One and um, yeah. into A New Hope. It's a very similar yes. thing. Um, it's very seamless. Darth Vader's there. And um no, he's not. Honestly, Honestly is... people are going to believe us because I don't No, What are you talking about? It is, though, because I thought Snowpiercer took place further in the future because it's been a, okay. it's been a little while since I've I just have a shit memory. So I was like, yeah, because I've seen Snowpiercer twice before this. So, oh, I, yeah, I've seen it. I, I've seen it many, many times. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I just thought it took place further in the future. It doesn't. It takes place. Hang on, I wrote this down. It's in, I think, 2031. Yeah. So, and yeah. if the Polar Express takes place in 2004, which right. I think there's no reason to suspect it wouldn't, it's really, it is seamless. <laughs> I think we should talk about each movie separately and then okay. talk, and then weave in the similarities. Yeah. Well, I think throughout it, but, uh, but, but we can kind of talk about that makes uh, sense. There's a lot, and I think I think we can get through get through the Polar Express um, <laughs> yeah. with more efficiency yeah. than the Polar Express because that that movie drags. When I turned turned to the person I was watching this with, and I was like, I kind of feel like I'm being edged by Santa. <laughs> yeah, because he just because the whole movie. So it, for those of you who don't know, uh, the movie is about. Children who, in the middle of the night, board a mysterious train uh, helmed by... Well, in, by... The, in the middle of a specific night, Christmas Eve. Oh, Christmas Eve, of course. They board the Polar Express. Tom Hanks is the conductor, and they are brought to the North Pole to see Santa. I think that it's based on a children's book, and the children's book is very simple. That's, yeah. It's like, train, we see Santa, we go home. Yeah. This was like, yes, but how do we how do we drag this out? So they kept talking about meeting Santa to the point where I was just like, I was like an hour and 20 minutes in. And I was like, if I don't fucking see Santa right <laughs> yeah. now, I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah. And then I did. And it was not it was not worth it. Uh, no, I kept being like, what's the I kept thinking like. What's the catch? This can't be actually be Santa. It's like I don't know, like with the Wizard of Oz, where it's like, yes, yes. it's not, this isn't really the. But no, Santa was just like kind of a dude. Um, and then <laughs> uh, voiced by Tom Hanks, of course. And uh, yeah, I when they got to the North Pole, it was ha I it was halfway through the movie, and I was like, yes. I've read, I love the book, I've I've read it a bunch. Um, I, yeah, it's it's a beautiful book, but like, the whole book is the train ride. So I yeah. was like, how are they? How do we have like an hour of movie left? <laughs> and and we didn't, but we saw, yeah, but we saw things in slow motion. We saw. Uh, we saw the inner workings of the carceral surveillance state that Santa Santa is at the head of. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, we got we got a lot, and yet of so of so little, so little at the same time. Yeah. Okay, so I have this as the first my first question about this movie. 
starting to not believe in Santa because that's that's the our nameless main character I believe's yeah uh, whole thing is that he is starting to not believe in Santa and in the book I don't think that's a thing I think it's just like a kid has a dream and wakes up and then he mm-hmm. but simple simplicity, simplicity. Yeah. beautiful uh paintings done by chris van allsberg i who i can't imagine likes this movie version but he's kind of a curmudgeonly man i think well do you know what the deal was with this no, movie I don't. to get I'm this a... movie made no. so tom hanks optioned it okay. and part of the deal was i think the author was like you cannot make this into an animated movie. Okay. And Robert Zumeckis, the director, was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> this this movie would cost $160 billion <laughs> if we did it live action versus if we did $160 million and or whatever. So Chris and- Van Allsburg wanted this to be a live action movie? I guess it could be done. Like, yeah. like the Santa Claus. But... Yeah. <laughs> so like, so there yeah, or no, he yeah, Zumeckis said it would cost like yeah. a one billion instead of hundred sixty million. I don't know if that financially if that checks out or Zumeckis was just like horny to make an animated film. He probably was, but also like the think about the train you'd have to have. Like I guess they do it in Snowpiercer and we know that it would be expensive because it that movie was yeah. fucking expensive. So so their compromise was, oh, we'll do it live action, but we'll make it motion capture. Wow. And that's why that's why we get this horror show. Wow. That is the 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 motion capture faces. Because the technology. Yeah. Famously this movie the movie's like exterior shots mm-hmm. and world is beautiful. Yes. Like that animate that animation yeah, it was, was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It was fun to to watch the stuff that was happening. The landscape, <laughs> yeah. the landscape, the the train. It was just that yeah, this movie is famous for really its use of the uncanny valley and just that the humans they look melty, they bend in weird ways. Uh they they're just not human-like in any way they they don't have any teeth in their mouth yeah so i knew that this movie got dunked on so i and i assumed it was because the whole movie was kind of bad and like not Mm -hmm. that not that this is a (laughs) a great movie but it really i i think the movie is beloved it's just the uncanny valley of the people that that bugs people like that specific thing everything else people really enjoyed and still do enjoy like people watch it every year and um and i I think it's an an, a lot a lot of this movie is enjoyable it's enjoyable it's very atmospheric yeah in a way that's like haunting and a little a little scary yeah yeah it sort of creates like it's it's like friendly and bright because it's about Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. But it the whole movie has this like sense of foreboding and the conductor is so creepy and and menacing, you know? Sounds to me like this is your crucial year. If I were you, I would think about climbing on board. 
he's menacing the whole all of the scenes that take place in the North Pole Mm -hmm. take place in these sort of echoey chambers yeah where Christmas music is either being played (gasps) in like a big hall where elves are packing presents or they're like slowed down records so it honestly it really reminded me of certain levels in Bioshock oh totally that checks out (laughs) because it's also like steampunk it's very steampunk. Yeah. I, I was like, this is Fort Frolic in Bioshock, and and Sandra Cohen is about to come and and disembowel these children. Yes. Yeah, but I kind of liked it. It was very, yeah. I was like, I haven't, the sound design it was in this way. I was like, I haven't really experienced this in a movie. And, and I think it does, it did capture something, like there was a magic quality to it. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I would say... We got to address Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> Directly, you mean? <laughs> Directly. The, actually, this this has been like a, yeah, this has been an almost 20 year, 20 years in the making intervention for Tom <laughs> yeah, Hanks yeah. about the Polar Express. So was the deal, so I know that one thing I read was that he wanted to be every character. Yes. And then like got tired of it. So yeah. So yeah. they did it. I think Zeme- Zemeckis wanted him to be every character. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, like, <laughs> why Why was it necessary to And Okay, so at first I thought the reason why Tom Hanks was playing multiple roles was the same reason why in, like, a stage play of of Peter Pan or in the movies, the, in the Disney movie, for example, the, the voice of uh, Captain Hook is also the voice of the children's father and so the actor who plays captain hook also plays the children's father in like the stage oh, plays. oh shit wait wait yeah that brings up a whole new dimension to peter pan like that's their relationship to their father apparently is that what the movie is implying is that their father is captain hook yeah who tries to kill them yeah that's dark he's, well that's he's dark. mean the dad is mean at the is beginning he, is he mean i don't yeah. remember okay, okay. Yeah, and the mom oh, is really sad. sweet yeah okay all right yeah i guess you know yeah they're like afraid that, that of him out. they're they're afraid of him and that's why like he he he's like a bad and bad pirate okay. yeah. yeah yeah so like a wizard of oz yes. thing where it's like yeah so yeah. i thought the reason why Tom Hanks was playing multiple roles was because there was a connection between the different characters. And no, so was, I was mm. trying so hard to, cause he's also the dad at the end. And so I was like, Oh, it's his dad. And, and I was like, no, because Tom Hanks also plays the kid. <laughs> well, do you know who uh dubbed his voice (laughs) yeah junie from spy kids i didn't recognize him because he didn't have a cold like he did when he was in spy kids apparently he he didn't have any he didn't have any warts yeah that we could see so i'm gonna go i'm gonna be very bold and say that actually tom hanks without his warmth and his Mm -hmm. presence his voice is very grating to me (laughs) I do not I in fact I like a little bit of Hanks I don't Mm -hmm. I honestly like I can't think of a a movie that I think he he's good at playing a certain type of role yeah 
and that he he really tried like and having him do like a one-man show i just it 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 didn't work for me and i'm i know that this is america america's sweetheart but like i think we all need to like yeah just kind of kind of wake up to the fact that that tom hanks that we should just like not 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 encourage him too much i thought the same thing and i guess i thought that he he really wanted to be every single part and like demanded that i don't know why i thought that but i was like that's why i thought maybe he like was going through something during this because i was like why would you demand that this movie be made and that you play every role like what's wrong (laughs) but it sounds like zemeckis just really wanted to yeah him. Yeah. So I, it, so was this movie like when it was done was Zemeckis like this was my vision. This was everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> I I guess I, I thought this was like just Tom Hanks demanding stuff <laughs> and then the movie got made. I mean, I I think there was there there's obviously an element to that to like be like, yeah, I'll play. I'll play every character even if it doesn't really make sense. And like the Santa voice is just it's just his voice <laughs> mo- pitched down modulated down it is yeah. it is extre- it is extremely disturbing this bell is a wonderful symbol of spirit Christmas as am I <laughs> just remember the true spirit of Christmas lies in your heart so wait was he also the like the annoying child? I don't think so. Honestly, he doesn't have that range. I didn't think so either, no. but I thought whoever mm-hmm. was doing that child's voice was an adult that they were yeah. modulating the voice of. So that's why I just thought maybe it was... <laughs> it was tough. Yeah, I was like, that's not a child's voice. And why do you have that weird vocal effect on it? No child it was... would ever... like. Yeah. It, it was weird. Um, oh, so yeah, it looks like what it was I was... an adult. Yeah. What I was going to say was I, the concept of starting to not believe in Santa. Yes. Do, do, you, do you see this as a wet concept or a dry concept? That is a good question. I think that it is. Okay, because on one hand, we've in children's movies, we've seen wetness occupy a role in which it is about unveiling the truth to children about the horrors of the world right and and on the other hand what happens when he believes like from the moment he steps onto the train and goes on this journey that's when the wetness starts and it just Mm -hmm. for me it gets increasingly wet and culminates in what i call smooth santa (laughs) yeah it's it's botox santa his face just He's like an old man, but his face is just like por- smooth porcelain. Mm-hmm. It, it, he, it's one of the wettest Santas. One, it just looks like a grape would slide right off of his cheek. It's oh, beautiful. yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I didn't find the Uncanny Valley that bad in this movie. We've I've already said I, do, I don't mind the Uncanny <laughs> Valley. But I... I was looking at it and I was like, why do people hate this so much? It's, it is visually unappealing, but I was like, it's not any worse than a video game. So I was like, I'll just pretend I'm watching a video game. It honestly just looks like a video game to me. Yeah, I I wasn't too, too disturbed by that. I, I like, it was weird that people 
open their mouth and there was nothing inside of it. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I was more disturbed by the the themes and the the yeah sort of incoherence of it than yeah than any of the uh, than any of the the scene. And I think this was a critical what moment where the waiters come in and they're like yes they do that little the refreshment dance yes and and their bodies bend in in ways <laughs> ways and it's just yeah it's very goofy it's very it's very but it's, but it's whimsical the hot yeah. chocolate like squirts out and the squirting yeah. noises and i was like Okay, that was my first critical wet moment. And I was also like, whoa, I didn't expect anything wet from this movie. The whole thing was just for a bit so that I could yeah. try try to prove that it was Snowpiercer. <laughs> but uh, but it is. Snow- it's very clear that it is. So that the waiter song was just, the only words yeah. in it are hot, hot, we got it. That's those <laughs> the only words in the song. I kept waiting for more. And it's they just keep going. And it took me a while to even realize they were saying hot, hot. They uh, for a while I was like, they're just saying we got it. This is they're yeah. just like ha cha 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 cha. We got it. Ha cha 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 cha. We got it. And like that was the song. I was like, whoa. They di- they didn't try. This was the most half-ass musical. <laughs> yeah. There were two songs, two. and one of them was just repeat like repeated twice. They get on. Okay, and this is a connection to... This is like a cinematic parallel directly to Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. When they get on and all the little kids are hauntingly singing a song about the train. Yeah. Um, they're like... Uh, oh, God. It is so... Yeah, they sing that, that song where they're like, Because that's the way things happen on the Polar Express. And then they later repeat the song, like a more orchestral version of it. And it's just the children clearly have been spoon-fed propaganda about the train from Tom Hanks. And they're just regurgitating it. Um, Even though they've been on the train for three minutes and they've learned learned this song. Yeah. And it's the same as the scene in Snowpiercer with the children (laughs) singing singing about the sacred engine. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's talk about some critical wet moments. Um, the first one for me was Tom Hanks as the train conductor, uh-huh. punching the whole punching the ticket yeah. a million times, which is a gag throughout the movie, straight into the child's mouth. The like, yep. The like, he's into like his. <laughs> he's like spitting them out. Uh, the little the little hole punches, and then yeah. he later does that into his own mouth and i think they were just like we gotta like we this is gonna be hilarious we gotta show how good these motion capture lips look yep uh how good we need to draw attention to the to the gaping holes in their mouths that was immediately when i was like because the the beginning of the movie is quite beautiful it's yeah but that's when i i knew we were maybe in in some danger when he started clicking the tickets like that. He just like started, that. Yeah. started pun- hole-punching the, the tickets to, yeah. to no end. Yeah, I definitely saw it turn. A critical wet moment for me when it went from dry to wet was when the the, um, the little girl... I wish these characters had names. Only one does. B- Billy. One is called Billy. Oh, uh, Billy. Oh, Billy. Billy. Yeah. Billy. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. You know, Billy. But the the little girl goes to give Billy some hot chocolate and she gets in trouble because you're not supposed to leave your seat on the fun, magical, <laughs> lovely, magical, wonderful Christmas train. You can't. And you can't have a, a t- and you can't be there without a ticket. Yeah, you can't be there without a ticket. And even though you didn't know the train was going to be there, yeah, that was all baffling. I thought it was going to get explained. It didn't. No, no. But they, so he's like, okay, then the way the kid describe the some little kid describes like what happens when they take they like take you out back and they shove you off the caboose so you don't get sucked up into the wheels and i was like whoa that's a critical wet moment and also that's snowpiercer like <laughs> that's snowpiercer baby yeah this train runs on children right <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh yes oh yeah children in the gears is how is that a theme in both movies? How has no one how has no one made this connection before? Uh, another also another another wet line for me was we gotta hightail it to the hog the engine, oh, God. Yep. and I was like, yep. oh, again, we gotta go, we gotta make it from from one the end back of the, tra- of the train to the front of the train. Yep. I was yeah. like, this is, they, it is so clear that this is so yes, It is, it is crystal clear. Okay, the other thing is, is that Billy, and this I was confused and disturbed and horrified as far as, as the maybe unintentional message that the movie was saying, mm-hmm. um, so they, the kids say, they're like, oh, hey, we're going across the wrong side of the track. Yeah. And that's when they pick up Billy at, and his house is not as big as the main characters. And he gets on and, and, and he's credited as like Billy the Lonely Boy. And I don't yes. know if that's in in the book that that's no that's a character (laughs) no there's not there's not a child who may have gone through some horrible trauma and is dealing with it no there's just some kids there's just some kids on a train so he goes and like i don't know if he's forced to sit at the back of the train i don't know or if he just (laughs) does that because he doesn't believe he doesn't want to be around others and he doesn't believe in them but i think by the end it became clear I think the movie was trying to say that um, Billy was a lonely child and that he needed to learn that he could depend on others, which isn't a thing that Billy needed to learn. (laughs) Right. But but how the world works and the visual language that they were giving to us was that he comes from a poor family. He says he never like receives presents Mm -hmm. that he doesn't have a connection to anyone at home. This child is like, has a home environment that is not, and, and like a socioeconomic situation where that it's such, it's such uh bullshit to just tell him, Hey, you can count on others unless yeah. you're going to change. Anyway, honestly, <laughs> I saw what they were saying. I do see that message. Yes, Another yeah. message I took from it was like, anybody can be friends with anybody regardless of your socioeconomic status you can all just be friends on the magical christmas train and i was like what he but they were still like also on the christmas train if you don't have a ticket yeah i don't know if you really get thrown off because they weren't clear what happened with uh with the little girl and and tom hanks when she doesn't have her ticket like 
Yeah. She he takes her to the front of the tree. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess like I guess he was joking. Like that that must be yeah. I guess they were joking because when he took her to the front, it was just and he had to take her to the front by like go walking over the top of the train yeah. in yeah. a snowstorm very dangerously and that's how they got to the top of the or the front of the train and then she just got to be the conductor which like that was kind of a fun reveal yeah um okay they could have been more explicit let maybe that was me just like being horrified they could have been more explicit to kids and said because he was still worried about the ticket yes. even when he found out even when he found out she hadn't been thrown off the train. Right. He was still like, oh, I got to hang on to this ticket because it's important. Yeah. Maybe this is some symbolism that I, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not getting. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I think when I saw that it was bringing up themes of economic disparity and stuff, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, okay, that makes sense because it's Snowpiercer. It's Snowpiercer, yeah. Like, that makes sense. But then they brought up a lot of things that they did then didn't follow through with or, like, end up yes, actually yeah. doing anything with, which I think is a little, I guess, what's a nice way to put this? Uh, I think it's a little cowardly yeah i was gonna even say like reckless <laughs> like yeah. it's a little dangerous to do that to just like yeah, kind of yeah. bring things up in a kids movie mm-hmm. and then be like but we're but like we don't want to like get political we, stress or you out. we, we just want to yeah. like we want to show reckless child endangerment yeah and and really traumatic situations children might go through uh but we don't actually want to like deal engage deal with, with those that things. engage yeah. with it or tell a story about it. And yeah. so that's why Bong Joon-ho has been thinking about this for years. <laughs> he was like, oh, I could, I got to do this better. I got to show them. <laughs> and so that's why he comes in. He takes the train. He brings it forward a couple years. He pro- yeah. he projects what the world, what this world would look like in, we'll figure out the amount of years. <laughs> and then, and, and then, oh, by God, did he follow through with it. So that's my, that's why Bong yes. Joon-ho made this movie, <laughs> to rectify the problems that arose from 2004's The Polar Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Famous, famously. Yeah. That is why uh, Bong Joon-ho wanted to make this movie. Not not because it's based on a French comic. Oh, yeah, that's, or, no. No, <laughs> no, that is, that is of course, that's uh, just a that is a legend. That's a coincidence. Yeah. Um, yes, of course. Oh, yeah. okay. Big critical let moment in this movie. And also, also big connection to Snowpiercer. Uh, that when they get to the dystopic land of the North Pole mm-hmm. and they're in like the weird like amazon warehouse of of the the surveillance that they're just watching children they're watching children and like it seeing if they've been naughty and nice like like that is part of the santa claus legend but But also they have like a monitor had to do that they're he's farming it out to the elves yeah it's literally it's literally amazon yeah uh yeah, no, it's almost, it looks like a war room that they're yes, in. Yes, yes. Because there's, like, a picture of the globe, and there's this huge screen with all of these monitors of children sleeping. Yes. And them, like, them, like, making comments that, oh, this child is not going to get a, not going to get a gift because he, like, 
there's good and bad children. Yes, very, I would say for me that the message for children is that, yes, Christmas is a time of magic and whimsy, but it's also a deeply stressful day of backbreaking labor for the elf worker Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this is just conditioning us into thinking that 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 much like elves that is how we can treat uh retail workers yeah well and that the second that they're done working they gotta fucking gather in the town square to worship the this guy who doesn't do anything and even is is making them watch the children and determine whether they're naughty or nice and they all like sing the a creepy they they chant slowly the like you better watch out I was like, this is terrifying. It, that was, I was so, like, this is Amazon. So terrifying. This is oh, Amazon. The, the, this is a- the critical what moment was um, that they travel in this society via pneuma- giant pneumatic tube. Um, oh, yes. That, yeah. That they were like, which and all of the aesthetics in this room, in this war room are uh, is steampunk. Like it's a steampunk pneumatic system. Yeah. And that's the point where I was like, are you kidding me? Like th- yeah. literally Bong Joon-ho like took this and just like projected it forward and was like, like this was the start of me being like, oh, this is actually set in the same world as Snowpiercer because yeah. this this technology to like like the idea of of steampunk that like it is it is yes. steam powered technology that's going to save us and bring us yeah. into the future um which is such a such a great concept bong yeah. joon ho um or i guess whoever made that comic book um i think uh, i do want to like there is a comic but like uh and we'll get into it but bong joon ho like snowpiercer is like his vi- his vision and a lot of a lot of the yes. script like it is it, yeah it's very much it's very much like i think on every level bong joon ho's vision yeah it was like inspired by that yes comic book. yes but yeah just like getting sucked at at high velocities through a tube system <laughs> through a system of tubes throughout the city city wide and it's a large enough that i was like this is like the the wettest way you could travel without it being like in water right exactly yes exactly (laughs) that's such a dumb sentence (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really it's a dry wet yeah i thought the north pole like there's just there's just a uh, there's just a creepiness and a just a very dystopian quality to the point where i think maybe Maybe how the timelines connect is that Tom Hanks, the conductor, I have to be clear, not Tom Hanks, the other 20 characters, mm-hmm. uh, maybe he is Wilford. Yes. The Yes. And he killed yes, Santa and-, and took over his operation. And who's, who's Gilliam? Wait, Gilliam... 
Oh, Gilliam. I don't know. I don't know who Gilliam is, but I know who Curtis is. I know Billy. <laughs> Billy. It's Billy, Billy is Billy. fucking... Uh, Chris is, Evans is, is is Chris Evans is Chris so, Evans and the conductor is Ed Harris that it checks yes, out like yes. it does you can't it, it does. does so yeah I'm gonna use the word like I know you, the word hobo to describe a homeless person is not cool but this I think was literally a, a boxcar hobo one yeah. who travels by train um yes. so this character <laughs> Oh, I didn't I even think not about make that. sense. You Is did it. You he, did it, Sophie. He shows up and he just spills wit uh spills wisdom upon yeah. our main character and like helps him out of binds and then disappears and they don't explain who he is. He's not no, really supposed to be I on was the train. Hoping. So my theory is that he is Jesus Christ. <gasps> oh boy. <laughs> what exactly is your persuasion on the big man since you brought him up well i i want to believe but but you don't want to be bamboozled you don't want to be let down to primrose bad you don't want to be caught or duped have the wall pulled over your eyes hoodwinked you don't want to be taken for a ride railroaded is believing. Am I right? Yeah, this, this is outside me? of the Snowpiercer. This, in just the world of the Polar Express. He yeah. represents the role of Jesus Jesus in Christmas and how he's <gasps> he's attached to the Christmas season, but we but we don't always keep the Christ <laughs> in Christmas. And so he oh disappears he will disappear, but he will show up and do some magic. Um, and his relationship to Santa is he's more of like a, a stowaway on the Christmas traditions than than a full <laughs> character. Oh my god! Yes, holy shit! That's that is yep. brilliant. That is but like in the snow, that's actual the snow film piercer criticism. world. I think he's Gil- Gilliam John Hurt's yes. character because he's like a spiritual, scruffy looking dude. Yeah. Who is in cahoots? I think in Polar Express, he's probably in cahoots with uh, the conductor. Yes, because the if conductor yeah. says he knows him. Or yes, yeah. Kind of. It's hinted at that, like, someone saved the conductor's life one time, too. Yeah. And, yeah. you know. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's totally Gilliam. We cracked it. We, I mean, Gilliam. honestly, we did. And I just want to stress one more time that the timeline does work out. Because if <laughs> if you're in, I'll, I'll outline the whole timeline okay. in, the, in the transition from, from Polar Express to Snowpiercer. So we'll go over that. Because there's definitely something else I have to talk about in the Polar Express. Which is, I... I forgot about this the second it was happening and I just remembered it now. Like this was literally my brain protecting itself. Was Aerosmith <laughs> in this movie? <laughs> I I think my brain was similarly doing a a defense mechanism. Uh, yeah. are you talking about the sexy elf band? Yeah. Okay. I that were there for like three seconds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I had I a question. Thought was Steven Tyler for some reason. <laughs> Steven Tyler as an elf, like a sexy elf yeah. singer. Yes. yes. Um, Caitlin, what world do you want to live in? 
It sounds like, because I can look it up, but I'm going to give you the choice of, do you want to live in the world where Aerosmith did have a three second cameo in a, in a motion captured uh, elf role or the world where that is not true? Um, I mean, yeah, I kind of want it to be true, but I do also want to know the truth. Okay, okay, so there is a Polar Express wiki. Okay. And Steven Tyler has an article on it, so I'm okay. clicking on it. <laughs> uh, S- S- Steven Tyler is an American singer-songwriter. Great. Okay. Uh, he performed the song Rocking on Top of the World for the film, and thus did the voice of Elf Singer, who sang the song in the film. <laughs> he also performed Elf Lieutenant. So yeah, that is Steven Tyler. Wow. I wonder if it was at a time in his life when he was like, I have a grandchild or something that I need to be in this Christmas movie for. I think every single person who took a role in this film was going through something, including (laughs) Daryl Sabera and Josh Hutcherson, who played his body, I guess. Wait, I thought Tom Hanks did his body. (laughs) No. He did. I think Tom Hanks did his the narrator who is the boy as an adult. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm pretty sure wait, Tom Hanks wait, wait, I don't know. Wait, wait, Caitlin, did you think that Tom Hanks did the motion capture for the little boy in this movie? Yeah. I was really confused because there's three three people uh yeah. credited. I have some bad news. Okay, so what? Josh Hutcherson, Josh Ryan, yeah, jo- Joshua Ryan, Josh Hutcherson is an American actor. <laughs> I'm gonna explain. People might not know who Josh Hutcherson is, who did additional motion capture for Hero Boy in the Polar Express. Tom Hanks did most of the motion capture, and Daryl Sabera did the voice. <laughs> okay. Tom Hanks was like, hey, uh, Zemeckis, you know, maybe we have this kid, Josh Hutcherson. Maybe he <laughs> should just play this role. I think it makes sense. We keep we have to, like, scale me down and change everything physically about me. And then Werner Herzog came in and said, Tom Hanks, you, you must be the little boy or else it's, you are a coward. You, you have to be the little boy. But no, the the Hutcherson boy, he can't do it. But Werner, you don't understand. What if we could even rig it so that Tom Hanks's face is the little boy, but we have a real little little boy do the rest of the body movements? No, because no, that would must just all, make it sense, It must all be Tom Hanks with, with additional support from the little Hutcherson boy. Also, if you could make the okay. Santa Claus very smooth, I would like it. I would like his skin to be very smooth, Santa Claus. <laughs> well, it's going to be played by Tom Hanks, so you're going to have to talk oh, to him about good, that. Oh, very good. Thank but... you. They all... <laughs> You've been getting my letters. Yeah. And I um, did not know. Yeah, again, Werner Herzog has 
a wide reach and he does and he has a vision and it's always best to listen to his vision he's it hasn't steered anyone wrong if it were anything if he gave us baby yoda as a puppet literally literally we should trust him yeah oh wow i'm gonna have flashes of the aerosmith elves i of the steven tyler elf I, it's literally happening, and I and I like short circuit for a second. That's gonna haunt me for the rest of my <laughs> life. I oh god, I'm I'm really scared now. This is dystopic. I, okay, it's it's forty three se- second. I do kind of want to. Oh my god, yes, they they. I'm. Oh god. Yeah, and I was like, I was gonna go back and. On this movie, I'm going to not include this part, but this movie was free on YouTube. I don't know if you... Oh, <laughs> the, really? The whole, the whole thing. Oh, the whole thing. Oh, shit. Um, I paid for it. I was going to, because I didn't believe that... Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you learn? And what did you learn? I believe... I'm gonna. Let me get my whole puncher in. Punch out. Punch out. Punch out a lesson for you. Oh my god. Yeah. I. Yeah. First, I didn't believe that the link I was looking at was. I was like, "There's no way." If I just hit play, this this is the whole movie. Then it it was. Um. Yeah. I. I was gonna go back just to like check and see if it really was Steven Tyler, and I was like, I can't like. I just the thought mm-hmm. of that I couldn't do it I was like I can't go back I can't go back and I'm never gonna no, you can't think about this can't. again yeah uh let's do let's move on to Snowpiercer Ooh, aka yeah. Elon Musk's plan C yes so yes okay let's take a look at the timeline because again this this theory checks out folks so Polar Express came out in 2004 uh, the events at the beginning of Snowpiercer, the voiceover, says that shit starts to get really bad in like 2014. So that's just 10 yep. years later. So 10 years after the events of the Polar Express, stuff gets really yep. bad. They start figuring out how to release chemicals into the air that ca- eventually yep. causes nuclear winter. And there, do you call it nuclear winter if it didn't happen because of the, it just like. It's it's just it's just like a runaway opposite of a greenhouse. Yeah, it's effect. like a forever winter. It's a runaway cooling mm-hmm. cooling system. Yeah. And and the movie tells you that in two sentences, which I love, oh, which I yeah. love. They're like they do not belabor no. it. They're like, "Listen, it's 2031. We tried to fix climate change. It didn't work. Everyone's on a train. Just shut the fuck up and yes. watch this movie." Which I love. I yeah. love. It's great. And it throws you in immediately. And it's a little disorienting while at the same time, like providing you all the information that you need, like, and just that's it. Like it's, it's, this movie is brilliant. And yeah, so, and then it's 17 years after that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so I think the timeline works out that 
fucking Billy could be Chris Evans when he's 34 on the on mm-hmm. Snowpiercer. Yes, absolutely. And I yeah. also think it makes sense because it's so so the Polar Express appears to be for like 10 kids that live in New Jersey. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. There were there were like 10 kids, would you say? There were 10 there were 10 kids who were chosen by Jesus Christ. Who were chosen to... by Jesus Christ, yes. <laughs> of course. So, um, yeah. And it's like this huge production that has to happen on this yep. on this train. Just like for one day a year, it's like this extravagant right. huge production that has to happen that like people almost die on and then the and then the tracks turn into a roller coaster like this is a dangerous journey that an entire yep. cra- train crew has to put on for like a small elite number of children <laughs> like <laughs> i think that when shit starts to get really bad it would make sense that one of these people or someone associated with polar express like the the conductor would say i know i got like you said yeah maybe overthrew santa yeah. and took took the train and was like i got this train that does what yeah. we need it to do it was doing a lot yeah. of the same shit that it was doing in snowpiercer just barreling through ice and stuff across continents yeah yeah transcontinental absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. so it i mean what other it's yeah it's the same train in my opinion it's it's the same train clear it's it clearly is it, it is and and again i love snowpiercer i um well i love i love all of bon joon ho's movies that i've seen and and this one is just it's incredible it is like it is the movie that i think the fish the fish helmet <laughs> yeah am i right oh uh, we're gonna get into some fish um, the, <laughs> the fish element the fifth the fifth element wishes it was yeah because it is like kind of aesthetically audacious yes and it it kind of it doesn't really make any sense and it doesn't really ground you in a lot of things but it it actually has like a message Oh, and boy, is does like, it. Yeah. Is more is more than just aesthetics. Um, yeah. yeah. And and that there are there are there truly are like weird moments in this. There are downright yes. campy, silly moments in this. Tilda Swinton's yes. character, like so ridiculous. Yeah. And and yet it makes so much sense altogether. Like how he how yeah. he had this vision for this the like tone and and visually uh, and thematically how he knew it was all gonna like work together because because there there are truly outlandish ridiculous things in here on the level. Yes. I mean, Tilda Swinton's performance is as ridiculous in a good way as uh, Gary Oldman's in The Fifth Element, and a lot yes. of yeah. A lot of people that are hamming it up in the fifth element. But I think like Ruby Rod could have been on this train. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. I mean Easily. very likely yeah. was. We don't know. You don't see all <laughs> we don't, of the, we don't know. the rave, the like as close to yes. a vampire yeah. rave as I could, you know. Oh yeah. I, I was unfortunately that uh what was supposed to I think be a sh- show of excess in the face of the suffering of others was very much my aesthetic (laughs) it was a lovely little little front of the front of the train race uh so ruby everyone's very likely to have been there yeah Yeah. 
he was DJing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And unfortunately, yeah, he's either dead or, uh, yeah, is forced to live in a barren, barren uh, wasteland with children. I'm never really sure, I guess. I tried to pay harder attention this time. I think we can assume most people die in the crash at the end, you know? Yeah, I think I think yeah. so. And that but that's important to me. Like so Yes. It's important to to you that they all <laughs> yeah. die. Yeah. It's really important that you all know that I needed to see all of those people die. Every everyone, the back of the train, every all, all everyone. No. Yeah. I I think it's important. I think I didn't get this, like, truly get this movie until this watch through because of 2020, like, because of how broken I've uh, th- basically, like, you, I can, we, we are all starting to see um, the scaffolding of, like, what, what holds our society up, our, our capitalistic society up, and that's being thrown in our faces. And I'm realizing things about the system I, in which I live that I didn't know before. And like, it was a huge awakening. So it, it took that mm-hmm. for me to get like this time around because I saw the mm-hmm. first time I saw this movie, I was like, what? Everybody dies except for those two people. And at this time around right. that I'm like, that's, that's the, what's his name um nam is the uh nam yeah Yeah, nam Nam. like that's nam's whole point is like yeah the reason why the machine keeps running is everybody's so afraid of what would happen if the machine stopped running it doesn't matter blow it all up because you have to see what's outside because this is not working so it doesn't matter how much you want to fix this thing that's like it's so broken that like you got to uh-huh. just and it it might take a lot of pain and death like that is what yeah. a revolution is and what it requires yeah. but like <sighs> yeah uh i think um it's yeah it's not a the most subtle metaphor but it doesn't it doesn't need to be it needs like it's because this is kind of like this hyper hyper visual hyper like just heightened mm-hmm. world where like things are kind of ridiculous because it's okay this is about a train that is that carries the last of humanity and the poor people are at the back the middle class are in the middle the rich are at the front and uh they have to fight their way from one side to the other yeah that's not the moat that's not going to be a subtle it's not going to have the same nuance as parasite and it doesn't need to but yes i think that like this movie definitely coming out in in 2013 2013 was kind of like a big political awakening for me too and i (laughs) love this and i was like yeah i was similarly like when i first watched it i was like this this is the thing this is the thing and and yeah i was i was obsessed with it and 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 i think and i think it definitely definitely holds up it's it's also the archetypal example of what we would call grimy wet. Oh, yes, I have that. I was like, this is yes. just grimy grimesters. Like, this movie is grimy grimesters griming around, squirming and gorming around, and, like, it is, like, where the where the grimy train ends and the people start is, uh, you'll never find it, and I, I, lo- you'll, I love you'll that. You'll never find out. Yeah, I love it. And it's wet in the way that uh mad max fury road is wet 
in its uh in just people being grimy in characters being like big bombastic ver- like big bombastic and making these choices right um and these sort of like these al- allegory or theme that that is very is very engaging yeah it's it's a, it's it can be a little blunt, but it's very engaging. Yeah, and and that I saw I saw the bluntness of this movie even as a, yeah. a choice that Bong Joon Ho made. Like I saw Bong Joon Ho as as being so blunt with everything, being like, "We all know this is how it is. We all like the lines in the movie, like yeah. know your place, keep your place. Like we all know that this is what our like capitalistic society is." And he yeah. has to come in and be like. I got to come in here and scream the message to you in in this blunt way and still like nothing ever changes like he right, he, right. and this is his first English language movie that he was wanted like distri- wanted to and distribute widely in in the US and around the world so I think maybe being blunt was like yeah, American like Americans aren't gonna get yeah. it. Yeah, honestly, yeah, because people don't understand. A lot of like rich people were like uh, uh, talking about Parasite, being like, "Oh, such a funny movie." Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> okay, such a fun movie about a a nice. It's just a nice family and these these this other family that really took advantage Gee, of them. Oh my God! Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, and chopping off arms. I like that. Uh, when we learn, so yeah, a lot of people are missing limbs in the back of the train, and you learn how some of them uh, lost them. Which is now, I wouldn't say this is a wet moment, honestly, but it's it's a moment worth talking about. Where the way that they punish people on this train is because the world is so cold outside if you if you were to go outside for but a moment you would you die uh so yeah they stick a man's arm outside the train for seven minutes and it's i mean after a few minutes he doesn't even like he's not even screaming in pain anymore which which is even more terrifying Mm -hmm. like that's a very terrifying scene to and whoever the actor is that played that man is had me so uncomfortable yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean it's it's effective the scene is effective and so he pulled they pull it back in it's been like flash frozen and so they like smash it with a sledgehammer and no more arm but you also learn later that instead of eating babies which is what they resorted to doing when they were first in the back of the train they just let them all to their own devices and just said well they're back there fend for themselves and so they did have to fend for themselves and they started to eat people and you know that's been proven to happen in in similar situations in a lot of species yeah and then then finally some order is restored when yeah i guess like a military or a paramilitary uh comes in yep. and and yep. starts to give them starts to like regulate them via these f- food blocks and and then stop them from killing each other by giving them these food food yep. nutrition yep. blocks yep. but before they were brought the blocks some people sacrificed their limbs so 
which is mm-hmm. like a we like Bong Joon Ho. Why are you making me think that's like a beautiful thing? Like, what, right, like oh my right. god, they started to like right. offer. Uh, that's how Chris Evans describes right, it. Like right. he, they start to offer themselves yeah. up for each other so that they didn't have to kill yeah. anyone. But that right. was after Chris Evans already ate a baby. So, <laughs> so Chris Evans, mid his in his ten- tenure as Captain America. Uh, great plays against type in this movie uh had to deliver a monologue (laughs) near the end where he says in just the most heartbreaking way again this is captain america (laughs) you know what i hate about myself i know what people taste like I know that babies taste best. <laughs> and and it's like, <laughs> and to me, when I think about that out of the yeah, context, yeah. context, yes. <laughs> context of this movie, or any part of this yes. movie out of its context, I'm like, what? Captain America is talking about eating that. Yeah, he he has forbidden knowledge that babies taste delicious. Yeah. And he delivered it with with it was it was gravitas. Yeah, I think about uh, about Chris Evans in this movie. I'm like, you know, Chris Evans did this role. Um, I don't think it need <laughs> the, uh, some roles in this movie needed to be yeah. like Nam and uh, uh, Yona. Yona, yeah, like they Yona. needed to be played by by those actors. Yeah, I thought like Octavia Spencer, perfect, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Uh, Tilda Swinton, Swinton. yeah, couldn't be anyone else. Um, Even like the uh, Chris Evans's little like sidekick, Jamie Bell is the is the actor's name. Oh, Jamie Bell, he's amazing. I I've seen him in person. (gasps) I saw him and his wife Kate Mara, the also a famous actor. Yeah, uh, in a in in a Starbucks in downtown, and they are tiny little elf people. They They are are, adorable. I looked it up. He's 5'7", she's 5'2". And you always are like, yeah, celebrities are shorter than you think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just they were just adorable. Uh, they were getting their little lattes. But yes, yeah, the, I think the casting was great. Uh, so- Song Kang-ho, who plays Nam and uh, also plays the father in Parasite. Okay. And is like a freak. He frequently right. uh, is in like most of. Uh, he's also in The Host, which is an amazing wet movie that maybe we'll do and like he's a he's an incredible actor and like he often plays like these kind of sweaty emotive characters that are just that just like are amazing and like kind of capture capture the the wet atmosphere of of his movies and you know jamie bell little little guy yeah (laughs) He, short short king yep. short king but yeah the the yep. i loved the casting in this and 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 yeah li- liked chris evans he was surely competent at this role arguably one of the one of the actors arguably in this movie. one yep. of the Com- stars of this movie and <laughs> he but yeah the whole time i'm like this was chris evans in this role um know that it needed to be but it was and that's fine it was good 
Oh, I did read that like they had trouble or like Bong Joon-ho has said that he they had trouble like hiding how muscular he really is yes. because he's supposed to be a kid who first survived on babies at when he was 17 and then yep. started eating babies at 17 and then only those jelly protein cockroach yep. squares. Yeah. Uh, for for another 17 <laughs> years that's all he's eaten one a day and on the polar express uh was not offered any refreshments no, uh, no. well and the little girl only got yeah. one christmas present yeah. so his childhood was also not good we also know that um, yes we know how he grew yes, up yes we know that canonically we were, yep exactly um yep. so yeah the Big critical, what the most critical wet moment for me in this movie, we'll just, I'll just say it now, is the jelly cockroach protein blocks. Yeah. And that's yep, my favorite, yep, that's yep. my favorite part about this movie. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. I literally wrote this, down, this is my favorite part about this movie. I'm dead serious. I often put this movie on because I love it so much but the first unfortunately like the the first half of it is, is in the trail set tail section and mm -hmm. it's grimy and gross and I like it when they get to the more aesthetically uh <laughs> oh, front the of the trail you know one? Ooh, oh, so ooh, at the aquarium gorgeous. one there's themes to each <laughs> train car and I love it and you know I love a theme you know I love mm -hmm. a yeah there's aesthetic. the roaring 20s car <laughs> I will put this on as like background noise, but then every time I get to the cockroach scene, I'll be like, I actually cannot handle this movie. So I've watched up to the cockroach scene many times. And and what I will notice is that I did not have a problem with it this time. You have desensitized me. So now that I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, stirring up a bunch of little bugs to feed in, into jelly, jelly, <laughs> jelly squares. Yeah. And just eating them with your grimy fingers. Yeah. I have a big question. Yeah. Like, where do they get the bugs? There's like, there's just bugs? I think there must be a cockroach farm. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, I think if you look at any part of this movie, like, if you try to like interrogate it like uh with facts and logic it's that's not the point of it yeah. um because like yeah i think that they could probably give them something that wasn't cockroaches um so would you eat would you try one yeah i, I would i would try one before a baby oh yeah totally yeah, yeah exactly for sure He's so for chris sure. evans that's an easy choice. chris evans is fucking horrified when he sees that he is horrified and it's like you've eaten a baby, <laughs> you, ate a baby. you were gonna eat your best friend <laughs> you were gonna eat that dude you were gonna eat when he was a baby you were gonna eat you were gonna eat jamie, jamie bell, bell. <laughs> and yeah dude but that like part, every time uh, i see that part i'm just like that's like honestly a good idea <laughs> wait what which wait which part which part caitlin oh, which part of the movie snowpiercer is a good idea just the whole um intercontinental <laughs> railroad no sure um, yes i no, will yeah the, the protein bug squares oh yeah i think i think that's been that's been floated as an idea to like solve hunger issues because 
in a sustainable way. And as we know, Wilford was in is an eco-fascist. So <laughs> yeah. like Yeah, he was like he was the one that was like uh had a bad feeling about the CW whatever <laughs> the the chemical or, that they or were... he did it on purpose. He was the manufacturer. Uh, because he wanted to be able to do his train. <laughs> to do this train and they made fun of him for it which again is gonna happen if we keep making fun of elon musk's uh hyperloop thing yeah he's just gonna be like all right everybody on the hyperloop Hyperloop. we're going to see santa (laughs) oh man okay so yeah we should get in yeah that for me the critical wet moment is cockroach protein blocks the next critical wet moment is uh when they're when they're facing what i call the BD- bdsm daddy pinkertons oh yes in in the balaclavas that cover their eyes yes uh extremely it, it, great aesthetic leather outfits with with balaclavas with and yeah it, it opens up and i was like oh yeah 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 this is um yeah this is the faceless leather axe guy car yeah yeah um, okay <laughs> every every train you gotta have a faceless a faceless leather guy axe car um, and that's all so- that was in that car that's all that was in that <laughs> car and so i thought like what is the purpose of this car normally yeah <laughs> when when there isn't a coup what are a bunch of guys in leather outfits and balaclavas with axes I don't know if they're always st- there but maybe they are always there <laughs> you I, know? I, it, everything happened so fast I just kind of assumed that they didn't really know <laughs> that the coup was happening but uh, although they did they, they did they although were they it, yeah. did yep it was they all did. part of the plan um yeah so what when they face off they cut they're kind of having a standoff they um one of them grabs has a dead real fish in their hands oh, yeah. and gut like guts it very gruesomely mm-hmm. um in front of them and it's just very wet and and yeah. viscera everywhere and, and then he hands it to a second guy who does more <laughs> And, and and do you know the story behind the scene? No. It's 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 an amazing story. So that came out I think with uh, uh Bong Joon Ho talked about it as he was promoting Parasite. It's okay. a really hilarious story. Um but also we're going to have to talk about Harvey Weinstein. So, oh, sorry. okay. So cuz Wein- the Weinstein company distributed this money, this movie in okay. um in the US and Harvey Weinstein like wanted to uh, cut down the movie, and he wanted to like add in monologues explaining everything at the beginning, and like just basically butcher the movie. And Bong Joon Ho was just like, "No," and then he was like, "Well, we can obviously take out this fish scene, right?" And he was like, "No, you don't understand. My father was a fisherman. This scene." is so meaningful because like it represents my father and his livelihood and so like the wine tech company was like oh we're sorry of course of course and uh and Bartico was like my father was not a fisherman I like I made it up just to like stick it to them and be like nope I'm not letting yeah, you cut just a second it of it so he dunked on the wine tech company he's continued nice. to dunk on them this movie came out um, it was like not. It was did not get widely distributed. It was it's, I saw it on Netflix. Uh, it was distributed in like eight theaters. Clearly, he did not 
like fall in line and he made the movie he wanted to make and right. yeah fuck fuck harvey weinstein forever obviously but i love that that he was just like he found a way to keep this scene in the movie um anyway, i appreciate I that so much scene. Yeah. Yeah, I it's so interesting and I I did think at, at the time I was like I every time I think that this is going to m- mean something other than let me just show you how sharp our axes are and yeah. no, it's just to show you how sharp their axes are and so Bong Joon-ho could keep that scene in the movie and I love it. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Uh Oh man, a wet scene after that. They get out of the leather guy axe part. They get mm-hmm. into the middle class section where we see the sort of indoctrination of mm-hmm. the middle car children. Oh, um, yeah, I know what you're I just say. like really burped. That's good. That's wet. Mid-sen- that's part of that's part of this. I'm gonna should I, should I chew a little oatmeal? Yeah, chew oatmeal. <laughs> I I always purposely drink seltzer when i record anything any or if i'm doing some sort of like virtual some anything uh i always do because i feel that it fuels my uh, whatever i'm doing it's podcast fuel yeah it's podcast fuel it's improv fuel i just feel like it keeps me on my toes because I have to think mm-hmm. about, am I going to burp into the microphone? And then, you know, if I, if it does happen, um, sometimes it's for comedy and then that's great. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, the classroom scene. Oh, yeah. I know we we're going to say the, the wet moment about this. Yeah. Yeah. Alison Pill's character is very much was giving me the pincushion woman from Halloween Town. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. it was a big, big character. Like they were all big characters, but like she just like came in. Um, and again, we've talked a little bit about how it's just like the how it, children are indoctrinated on the Polar Express. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but and then there's just like all of these eggs, and eggs are filled with bullets. Yeah, and all of the eggs are hard-boiled eggs, which yes, I was just having this discussion with some of my roommates mm-hmm. that. I think hard-boiled eggs are the second wettest egg. I think the... And it's weird because you'd think, like, it makes the inside all dry. But Right. It, it's the most contained the, the yolk will ever be. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I thought about it and was like, but it is strange. Like, I think, I think the wettest type of egg is definitely poached. Um, okay, yeah. Because it's yeah. so slimy and, and yeah. viscous when it comes out. And then when you, you know, cut into it, it it's shoots, immediately. It shoots goo into your mouth. It shoots goo. And so the second then for me is hard boiled because they're, yes, they're like dry on the outside. But you, once you crack them open, they're, they're like wobbly and rubbery yeah. and gooey and uh, clammy and just cold and it, when you bite into it the the mouth feel it's just the so mouth slimy. feel it's rubbery it's uh slimy yeah. yeah it's slimy yeah i i agree yeah so yeah when i saw that there were the sheer volume of the amount of hard-boiled <laughs> eggs i was like this is so dumb and wet and i love yeah. it but there is so, there's not even enough people on the train for this many eggs that kind of pokes a hole in like oh we have to be so 
so conservative with with our resources. It's like no, they're they're giving children like a thousand eggs every New yeah. Year's. They're using eggs to just they're using like eggs to transport guns. Yeah, they're just using it to hide guns <sighs> inside of giant yep. piles of eggs. Yeah, and then like and then the guy who is really just like at the end towards the end i guess he's yeah he i don't know what to call him he's the guy that answers the phone for yeah. talking talking to wilford yeah i think bong joon ho may refer to him as the egghead oh yeah that makes sense because yeah. i think he's bald yeah. um yeah he there's a scene where he like you you watch him like shove an entire shove an entire hard-boiled egg in his mouth mm -hmm. with um and you don't see the beginning of it you see him like just the end of him shoving that in there yeah and just the image of him like in the in the tail end of the, the train at this point oh, yeah. he's gone back there just like with his yep. finger just like popping it in there and just like chewing on that hard-boiled oh egg. yeah oh, oh yeah i was like it's oh, it's, oh. it's it's so wet yeah this is just a wet movie in like in again um in a different way that prometheus is wet but i think still in like a in in in, in just a, a very a very unique way um both just like the character choices the sort of like just just every on every level and yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about the the characters because there was a lot of information about sort of the actors and like their choice their choices okay so Tilda Swinton's character who plays oh. this like wild uh woman um so they were originally going to cast John C. Riley. oh huh as the part yeah which I could see which yeah. would have been interesting honestly I could see that yeah yeah, yeah. Like, it would just be, and it was going to be a more understated character. And yeah. it was Tilda who was like, I want to, like, push this as far as possible. This character needs to be ridiculous. Yeah. And Bong Joon-ho was like, I know that this is my while. I know this is a movie about a, a train that goes around the world. <laughs> I think you need to step it back. I think you need to rein yourself in. One of her ideas was that she said, we started playing we had all these ideas like fantastic pendulous swinging breasts she wanted her character <laughs> to have a like just very noticeably pendulous swinging bosom what? to the point where they they like got fake breasts for her to wear and like there's apparently pictures of jamie bell wearing them which I need, I need that picture for just for personal reasons. Um, but I'm just like <laughs> Tilda Swinton. She well, it must have been her idea then to take out her dentures for no reason. Oh, she does yes, it to 100%. say she just is like, "What do you think, Curtis?" Like that's all she says yeah. or something. And yeah, I was like, "There's no, you could have just." Or, like it's this isn't a criticism i don't think a a thing about this movie should be changed i no. this is like one of the best movies ever made <laughs> i yeah it's not one of the i still think like uh, uh blade and the matrix are are wetter but oh and the yes, fly yeah, and the fly the most yes yeah 
It's a unique type of wetness, though. Yes, absolutely. This movie yes. is super wet. This is like, yeah, it, it's up there with them. I it just I don't want to make it sound like because it's the greatest movie ever made, along with Blade, <laughs> that it's the wettest. But Deacon Frost is on the strain, by the way, hundred percent. Oh, it has to be. De- yeah, has to be. Has to be. He's he, in that nightclub. Yeah, he's, he's in alive. The pool section. Sure. We know he's alive. Yeah. He's a vampire because so he's yeah. definitely he looks the exact same, and yeah, yeah he's definitely in that. Pl- he he would love. That's his. Yeah. Uh, th- that's his aesthetic. That's his whole right, deal. Right. Yeah, yeah. He could be out in the cold and he'd be fine. But he. But where is he going to get delicious humans? Yeah. Yeah. So another thing, and this is. This just made me fall even more in love with Bong Joon-ho. So I read this on Wikipedia. Since the film's release, Bong has revealed background information about the character of Wilfred, such as him being bisexual. <laughs> Bong Joon-ho has said that he slept with Claude. I, I think Claude was like the, the woman in the yellow coat, the egghead. Uh-huh. Mason and the pregnant teacher. Who's Yet Mason? The Who's one, Mason? Uh, Mason is Tilda Swinton. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, the and pregnant the teacher. teacher. Yet his the one is the engine. I um. <laughs> wow. I okay. All right. I don't know what that adds <laughs> to the movie necessarily. I don't think it does. Um. I mean. Thinking. I guess I could I do kind of like thinking about how it's clear that he slept with I think I think Tilda Swinton like mentions that he's sleeping with Claude yeah. right like yeah. they do reference that yeah. in the movie so I knew that and I guess I like thinking about how like the egghead is like also his little like servant yeah, yeah. um yeah and that he just like sleeps with both of them yeah i guess i i i personally it adds something for me personally (laughs) as a bisexual but uh, yeah i don't know yeah as a bisexual i yes i don't think this is the representation that i wanted (laughs) okay Um, maybe it's the representation that i need because i don't like i think there's like stereotypes of bisexual people being evil but i don't know if there's a specific (laughs) stereotype about bisexual oh no no just kidding just kidding everybody (laughs) loves bisexual people there's no bad stereotypes also uh tom hanks played the little kid in 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 the polar express he sure did it's you're in that world you're not leaving that world uh yes there there is like there is a stereotype but i don't think there's been a stereotype about bisexual people specifically being like magnates of trains that go around the world really fast and is the arc of humanity and they have to like keep keep it going i it's something i have not seen before it's a complex character yeah it's not yeah again it's not like it's not gonna be a role model for me (laughs) but it's yeah i Hmm. I wonder why just unprompted he just like one day I, I don't know Unpro- again this is <laughs> I I'm doing a lot of research on Wikipedia and it's possible uh, a lot of his interviews are also interpreted by an amazing inter- interpreter so it, it, it something may be lost in translation so and again I I'm actually more comfortable with him like post fact 
set telling us characters are queer than jk rowling um <laughs> maybe because like fuck jk rowling yeah because um, this fo- this movie wasn't like regressive no yeah it was so but. and but i do want a bisexual ed harris movie <gasps> yes now i, I think too. we are we are owed that yeah yeah anything else about snowpiercer i do have some final i know i've been monologuing a lot but i do have some final thoughts about bong joon ho's work oh yeah i need to hear that okay it's just amazing uh the metaphor of like ice melting and that being a sign that change is possible yeah that life outside of the train is possible and like and uh nam says uh it's it's the type of ice that's about to melt one push and it all goes right down which is just beautiful yeah yeah it that his his monologue at the end well and so i love something that this movie did which was bong joon ho like sets it up that you expect chris evans to be the hero of this movie and then by the end he's in the weird like i didn't watch this video yet i i'm going to i just didn't have time that it's like it is the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory scene oh, where he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "I needed somebody to who could get to the front of the train yeah. and knew that that would be my protege um, or my successor." And yeah. Chris Evans has like, "Oh, so you learn, but you also learn some hard truths about him that he's yeah. like not not a great person, um, and that he's ate eaten babies." <laughs> Uh, he and, killed edgar's mom jamie bell's mom, oh yes that yeah which is that, horrifying i mean and he was gonna eat him but he also killed her mom his mom yep yeah so he yeah he's like you learn some really uncomfortable things about him he ends up like kind uh, in it, it seemed to me that he sort of like got the message that ed harris was giving him that like mm-hmm. unfortunately this is how the system is and it has to be how it is and he kind of like gets it for a second and and Mm -hmm. i was like you think chris evans is the hero of this movie and he's not he he ultimately Mm -hmm. makes good decisions but it's nam who and and his daughter yeah who Mm -hmm. are like the real here who who make the the right decision and are yeah uh, yeah, like nam's monologue at the end is just that i mean that's where you realize oh this is this is the hero of this story um and that he has been collecting he's been living as a drug addict and getting all of the societal stigma associated with Uh that as a drug addict so that and he i'm sure he did the drugs some yeah but he mostly was collecting it so that he could use it as an explosive like he it, yeah, you you see in that moment uh, who the true like yeah. hero and and star of this film is, and it's yeah, an amazing moment in film. And again, a great a great little subversive part of this movie, like yeah. like all like all of Bong Joon Ho's movies, um, which I have not seen all of them. Obviously, I'm not not like not a film scholar, not an expert on Bong Joon Ho. However. There is a line of wet of wetness throughout the movies I have seen, and 
I really I do want to wa- watch his earlier earlier work as well. But so I've seen in particular uh, this movie, Parasite, and The Host. I'm looking are, at a movie poster for The Host. And, oh, The Host oh. is a wet, goopy monster movie. They are all very wet, and I sort of saw like the pinnacle of wetness in each of them being related. So in Parasite, uh, there is a flood. And basically, the poor the poor family in the movie and their surrounding neighbors are like washed out, and their sewer, the sewers just overflow, and their okay. their lives are completely upended. Um, but but a sewer explosion again, very very wet. Oh yeah. In in Snowpiercer, we have the um, cockroach protein bars, and then in the host, the host. Um, it basically begins with an American company um, flushing down toxic materials into the Han River, which then become this goopy river monster that attack that attacks like just normal people, uh, a working cl- and they specifically vic- attacks a working class family and um, and who come together to defeat the monster. It's a great movie. Uh, I'm and- watching everything he like. I yes, yeah. Oh my god, this is a perfect great. film. I'm sure all his films are perfect. And so way. I think these different types of wetness sort of show how the rich and powerful, their sort of mindless actions, so like building a um a city so that people are more vulnerable to floods, Americans dropping toxic waste into into um a South Korean river feeding people cockroaches and putting them on a train in the dark their actions goop down they trickle down right and they become this the sludge that powerless and poor people have to wade through and that wetness and goopiness and griminess is like representative in these movies of their material conditions and and that they must deal with and it's shown there's a direct line it's a direct result of the existence and actions of the rich people in these movies. So it's like explicit. It's not just like exploiting poverty by showing like, oh, the greedy realness. It's like, no, this is a direct consequence. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. So whether it's feeding, feeding people cockroaches or, or designing, designing a neighborhood, you see like the goopiness represents that. So I think that that's pretty like obvious, but I was like, this is the thing that connects connects these different things i think bong joon ho would agree with that i think he would love that assessment i think he would really love the wet lens through which we view things yeah yeah uh keanu uh christmas keanu magic holidays santa keanu you don't you don't have any ho 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 holes nope hmm holes in these movies I've I've got some. Oh, okay. So in the Polar Express, there's obviously just a blank hole in there. Well, there's a hole in everyone's mouth. I'm. Oh I'm, yeah, you're I'm right. sorry to tell you, but uh, that's that's real life. Uh, but yeah. in the characters oh, yeah. in, <laughs> in uh, yeah, in um, in the Polar Express or Snowpiercer for kids. There's just a hole, like, they didn't animate any inside of the mouth or teeth, so that was great. There's also a hole uh, that there's, like, a, a a sieve 
that the oh, presents went yeah. down that the kids yes. the kids kind of circled around the drain yep. um and that's how you got to that's if you're running a global uh gift giving corporation that's how you got to do it yep snowpiercer um probably the hole is the hole you have to blow in the train the train of capitalism Oh, I have another hole. I have a really goopy hole, but it's a sad one. But that's fine. We it's in the movie. We can talk about it. It's yeah. uh, it's the ah. Uh, so when you realize that uh, that the train is like truly being powered by child slaves. Yep. And yeah, that that they've uh, they can't get replacement parts for several of the train parts. And so they've just but it's a small, tiny area that they'd have to normally put, you know, gears and shit. Mm -hmm. The only person who can fit in there and manually do that job is a child. Which, again, that's how Ed Harris designed this train. (laughs) No, no, it's not. They just ran. Well, they just don't have a replacement part. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. they meant the replacement part was the child. Well, it is when now. It, well, it was. Okay. Okay. So part of the train broke. Okay. Yeah, they part oh, of God. the train broke and that and they said we can't get any more parts. So yeah. we had to find another solution and it was it's shoving a child in there and you look at the child and he's he has to like normally like a piston would i guess like put something in and out between the gears so he uses his fist that he has to like constantly cover unless like this was tough to see like to see what was going on in the gear area so maybe i saw it wrong but i thought he like he keeps putting his hand in like oil like so it's all and so it can slide in and out and i was like he constantly has to have his goopy hand sliding in and out of a thing and it's terrifying and it should be terrifying because that's the movie (laughs) yeah all right verdicts let's let's wrap this up uh the polar express and this is cheating because this was literally what the movie was okay the polar express is as wet as rubber replicas Of Josh Groban and Steven Tyler chasing you down a haunted Scooby-Doo hallway to the echoing tune of Santa Buddy by Michael Buble. That is the gender-swapped no-homo version of Santa Baby by Michael Buble where he he can't call Santa Baby, so he calls him Santa Buddy. It infuriates me. It's it's like, just just hit on Santa. That is the the purpose of the song is to is to sexualize and and hit on Santa and you can't you can't gender swap it uh it's not gender swapping it's um it's making it less less sexy less less more of a platonic ask rather than a a sort of flirtatious proposition that's so weird Santa buddy yeah that's so so weird Um, buble you weird fuck yeah and he like puts in like more uh more masculine items to request it's like fuck you michael (laughs) buble Ugh. yeah you know who wouldn't do that ed harris in my movie (laughs) yeah no bisexual ed harris bisexual ed harris would 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 be very comfortable with that yes um snowpiercer snowpiercer is as wet as jeff bezos purposely spilling 
balsamic vinegar glaze onto his bald head on Christmas Eve and letting like higher up Amazon employees lick it off as their yearly bonus. So he doesn't give this to factory workers. It's only his inner circle that gets to lick that delicious uh, balsamic glaze off off of his dome. I'm not, I refuse to explain either of those. They're, they're self, self-explanatory and, uh, and yeah, you all have to, you all have to live with that. People will live with it and they'll love it because that's, they're accurate. Okay. My verdict is that while less wet than Snowpiercer, the Polar Express is definitely wet. Yeah. Just by virtue of the fact that it is the train from Snowpiercer. It is a, pre- <laughs> it is a prequel to Snowpiercer. Um, so I think it's as wet as a damp Krampus ham sandwich, <laughs> which is just that's when Krampus Krampus froze a ham sandwich and he <laughs> forgot to th- he forgot to thaw it out. So he like decides to microwave it a little bit just to like thaw it out a little bit. But it's just like it's so soggy. It's just the dampest Krampus ham sandwich. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, Snowpiercer is as wet as if the cast of my other favorite train-based narrative, uh, Dinosaur Train. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever caught Dinosaur I, I Train. I have not seen that. No. Oh, I love that song that's playing right now. Um, it's a delightful show for children that teaches them. I think very untrue facts about okay. dinosaurs. No, I think they do some real dinosaur facts, but it's yep. it's if the cast of Dinosaur Train, so their whole thing is they can travel to different prehistoric time periods. Yeah. So uh, it's a bunch of different dinosaurs on the train and they're like, we're going to go visit this dinosaur. This dinosaur existed in the whatever era. And so they travel to, so they can travel to different, time periods this is a time traveling train yeah and so it would be as if if someone pulled the emergency brake like the nameless protagonist of the polar express does if they pulled that mid traveling between mid time travel and so the cast is just getting ripped apart. Their atoms are not uh, not aligned. They're not. They don't exist in time or space. It's it's so wet uh, that they are. It, 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 it's their human soup, and it's dinosaur soup. Delicious. Yeah. So that's how wet Snowpiercer is. Oh shit! Yeah. Shout out! Shout out to Dinosaur Train, the the prequel prequel. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I could do that. <laughs> I will I will I will prove that. All right. Oh, a sponsor. Um this episode brought to us by Tom Brady's anti-inflammatory cockroach protein bars. If you're just a by all accounts kind of an asshole football player, and you just have weird eating rules, you might as well just put a couple cockroaches in a in a bar of gelatin and feed it to your children. That's going to be popular in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. good we don't have any connections to Boston. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
by all accounts he is he an is an asshole and we know it and he's just allowed yeah. to get get away with it because he's like can throw a ball fast he yeah. can throw a ball fast the, we yeah. are on snowpiercer <laughs> we are on the train This has been a production of Mess and Finesse, a comedy label based out of Somerville, Massachusetts. If you want to hear more of this program or shows like this, please send us an email at admin at messandfinesse.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at M-E-S-S-A-N-D-F-I-N-E-S-S-E dot com. And for more content, directory of programs, or information on live shows and comedy classes, please visit messandfinesse.com or follow us at Mess and Finesse on social media. Thank you for listening.